Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was growing up and I remember being good at lots of things but never good at one thing. Saying yes to almost everything, although quite exhausting as a challenge, Mm -hmm. was a really good way for me to try and see what I was actually interested in. But learning your boundaries is really important. You really have to protect your peace because the thing that I realize is people are only seeing a small snippet of our lives and we're not seeing their lives. And if I give them some advice, I have no idea what's going on in the background. Our bodies are not a trend. Stop making them a trend. Doesn't help you from having those thoughts inside your head. When you're happy in your body, it feels right. Mm -hmm. The more we keep pushing it to be something that we do not know if it could ever be, the least happy we're going to be. Guilt is a huge thing when it comes to food. And I've talked to so many people on this podcast and they've all told me the same thing. When you've suffered with an eating disorder, yeah. it those thoughts never leave you. You can control them in a different way. Most everyone I've spoken to has told me that they suffered at some point around body dysmorphia. They've restricted their eating. They've become obsessed with how they look. I would go as far to say that pretty much all the population has disordered eating. Carly, welcome to Millennium Wine. Thank you. I am loving this couch. (laughs) Well, the second person that's called it a pong couch. Yeah, it um... is like a pong. It's the lighting. (laughs) It's the softness. Yeah, we're getting comfortable. The shoes are off. We're good. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming. I know it took you over two hours to be here today. And I'm so grateful for you coming because we connected about a month ago now. Yeah. And your page is very different, I would say. Thanks. It's so unique and you talk about so many different things. So I'm really excited to kind of get into it today. Thank you. I was unsure when you said different. I was like, oh, where's she going? This could be a good or a bad thing. (laughs) Good thing. Good thing. But for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you. I'm Carly. I've been on the space for probably about eight years. So I feel like I'm a bit of an OG. Um, (laughs) We'll say OG. That sounds like a better way. Uh, And for me, I've always shared kind of truth, reality. I started out fitness. Mm -hmm. I actually started because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was growing up. And I remember being good at lots of things, but never good at one thing. And I remember I went onto YouTube first when it was kind of just starting. And I uploaded, and anyone who follows will remember, I uploaded a load of videos from different topics that I was exploring from things like how to shave down here, different, there were so many different topics. I was kind of exploring myself. Okay. And then my followers were like, you're really good at fitness. So then I ended up doing the course and quitting my job and then fitness alongside. And then while fitness is wonderful, abs is not the main aim of life. And oh, uh, I um, ended up yeah, talking like sex and relationships and then doing retreats around the world. And 
just real honesty, I think, is the main thing. I just want to create a safe space where people can come and be like, I am normal, whatever normal is. I love that. I think what what you just touched on there as well is I was good at a lot of things, but I never thought I was good at one thing. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of people that follow my podcast and message me and say, I don't know what I'm good at. Yeah. I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to start at anything. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that beginning stage. So you oh. just were sharing anything and everything. Yeah, there's just so much pressure. I remember thinking, I wish I had grown up thinking I want to be a doctor or a dancer because then I would have known how to follow through. But because there was none, it was like, well, how do I study? I don't want to go back to university or I don't want to follow a route and waste more time mm -hmm. if that's not where I'm leading to. So when you're kind of okay at a lot of stuff, and you, I ended up finding that in every job I would take on more and more and more, hoping that I would find out what I wanted to be. And I just never did. And I even used to type into Google, like, what is the best job in the world? What is Carly's dream job? And I think it said Richard Branson, like being his PA. <laughs> and I even messaged him one time, never heard back. But it was funny because I've since worked with Virgin. So I was like, oh, we kind no of did it in a roundabout way. way. Um, but yeah, so for me, I found that saying yes to almost everything, although quite exhausting as a challenge, mm -hmm. was a really good way for me to try and see what I was actually interested in. Um, but then while I'd say it's a really bad, it's double-edged sword, saying yes and trying lots of things, see where your passions lie, but learning your boundaries is really important because I found I was trying loads of things and I found where I was at. But then because people knew I didn't quite know myself, people would kind of really steal that. And you really need those boundaries to say, hey, no, I'm exploring. And I need to like find myself out before everyone kind of makes use of it. Give me an example of people stealing that. Oh, so like if you're someone who I'm a classic people pleaser. So while I'm trying to find my journey, other people are saying they're trying to find theirs. And I would then be like, oh, okay, people be asking me to help them find theirs. And I'm like, Got but it. I'm still trying to find mine. Mm -hmm. And my work list is now going higher and higher. I need to scale this down. I think what people miss sometimes is for me and you and for a lot of other people, when you have a platform, it is your job. Mm -hmm. And especially with the podcast as well, I think a lot of people are now messaging me all the time and mm -hmm. saying, can I ask your advice on this? Can you tell me this? I'm yeah. stuck only you can help me is a message I got last week. And it's very overwhelming sometimes because you feel like I'm not a licensed therapist. Yeah. I'm not a psychiatrist. I actually, first of all, don't have time mm -hmm. to answer to hundreds of messages all the time, yeah. but you feel selfish. Yeah. How do you kind of get over that? It's really hard because I felt like when I was a personal trainer, I was 100% everyone's therapist then. I mean, people have you and for that hour, yes, mm. they're moving their body, but they are spilling their guts to you. And when I do retreats, it's the same thing. And Online, I've had people reach out for money, tell me that their lives are broken, yeah. especially since becoming a mum. And you really have to protect your peace because the thing that I realize is people are only seeing a small snippet of our lives and we're not seeing their lives. And if I give them some advice, I have no idea what's going on in the background. So, true. so I have to say to them, like, I'm here online, but you're seeing 70% of my life. There is obviously other things going on you need to reach out to someone who can specifically know your entire life. Like a therapist is the best route or reaching yeah. out to your family is the best or getting professional help. Mm -hmm. So when I share my secrets every week, I do a secret section um, and I let people just get whatever is on their chest and it all goes out. Okay. There are so many people who say, share some really great ones and some ones that are lighthearted and then there's some really awful ones. Mm -hmm. And I always say for those, always tagging in the correct people for them to go and speak to. Um, and if anyone else shares some incredible advice or have been through it, I'm screenshotting it, sending it to them to know that they're not alone. But yeah, while we have this amazing platform where you can talk mm -hmm. to people, it doesn't entitle us to offer any tips on anyone else's life. Yeah, definitely. I agree. The fitness industry, <laughs> oh. we, we glaze past that bit. <laughs> that's, that's really where you started and at the core of it all. It's an interesting one because when did you start? Did you say 11, seven years ago? Oh, like, uh, no, eight years in the fitness industry, yeah. Eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And I feel that 
every year the fitness industry is changing. Every year there's a new standard. And you said the fitness industry doesn't mean you have to have abs, no. right? And I am someone who's like, yeah, preach, but I'm obsessed with getting abs. Oh, and like, I never had a flat stomach growing up. And so like, it's been the one thing that I love in every person. So funny, and one thing when I've... I meet you, it's like, I mean, chill. <laughs> absolutely incredible. Now it is a little bit because I had loads of stress of the last three months. Okay. So I feel See, like it's that's not- That's why you should also it's... never comment on anyone's body because you yeah. never know where they're at. And a lot of the time when they've got that body that you think they want, it's not for a good reason. Well, you're so right there because mm. a couple of months ago I was had my full-time job. I had a lot of personal stuff going on as well and I was ridiculously stressed yeah. and I lost a lot of weight. And everyone was coming to me. Half people were like, you look amazing. Yeah. And that was giving me positive affirmation to be like, yes, I finally have abs. And the mm. other part of people were being like, you look physically ill and like you don't look well. Mm. And like, why are you trying to diet? Because everyone in life thinks that you want to have like the most chiseled abs and you want to be really skinny. That's what everyone, every woman thinks every woman's goal is to be yeah. skinny. But it's not. No. For some women, it's not. However, this was a bit weird because obviously I wanted abs. So everyone thought I was doing it purposely. Yeah. But anytime I've been really skinny in my life, it's because I'm going through a bad time. And when people are like, you look great, I'm like, yeah, you should realize that this pattern is always about anxiety, like stress, like ridiculously overwhelmed. But people generally project what they want. So the ones that are like, yeah. oh, you look incredible, it's because they want that. The ones yeah. that say you look ill, there may be a little bit of jealousy there also, but maybe they do know you better they as do. well. And they're like, actually, we're looking at her as a whole picture sure. and she doesn't look happy. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people are saying, but it was much harder when people were like, you look so ill, you look so ill. Instead of being like, I've noticed some of my friends were really like, know me inside out. I'm like, you look really skinny, are you okay? And I was like, I'm really overwhelmed. And they were like, okay, try and take a break. And I was like, yeah, okay, well. Yeah, how do we do that? Just clone myself. Um, quit my job, that's, <laughs> that helps. Um, but I think, the fitness industry is always changing and there's always a different narrative around what you should look like. Right now I saw a headline which everyone's talking around, heroin chic yeah. is back, which I mean, is what disgusting. A headline. It's ridiculous. And it did terrify me, especially now from going through that. I remember when we all had to have like, you know, your jeans had to be sagging, like skinny jeans were like sagging around you, had to have like no bum. Mm -hmm. And you had to have the lines. This is my life. And you had I to have, have no this bum. part. Can <laughs> help you with the bum, but your bum looks beautiful. Um, yeah, I just rem I remember growing up through that and just thinking you had to be so like wafer thin mm -hmm. and look ill. And now I have a daughter and I'm like, oh, I, I remember saying to my husband, gosh, I hope by the time that she's old, we've gone past this one again and we've moved mm -hmm. around. But the thing is that our bodies are not a trend and that's what's so crazy. And you don't see, um, I'm all, all genders, but you don't see this as a title for men. No. It's just for us. And I don't understand why it has to take this turn around every single time. And how do people navigate through that? Because there are a lot of people that have posted this. I know, look, yeah. I saw so many posts around like, our bodies are not a trend. Mm -hmm. Stop making them a trend. Doesn't help you from having those thoughts inside your no, head. I don't think there is anything we can do online if we're honest, because unfortunately this is just how the media is going to do that. And it's people just, people thrive on making us feel insecure about things. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do is just not look at it and move away from that mm -hmm. and keep going back to the self-care that you are doing. Mm -hmm. So our bodies are just not meant to be, when you're happy in your body, it feels right. For sure. Like, and we all kind of imagine that when we go on holiday, you may have like dieted to help before you go on holiday. You may have been doing a million things. When you go on holiday and you relax, so many of us really love our bodies when we go away mm -hmm. and we're just in the sunshine and we are relaxed. And that is when our body is the least stressed, feeling its best. Mm -hmm. The more we keep pushing it to be something that we do not know if it could ever be, the least and the least happy we're gonna be. Yeah. Because so many clients, and I've done it, I've had the clients that have been like, they wanna lose a load of weight. We lose the weight, they haven't mentally changed, so they're not happy anyway, and they go all the way back. Yeah. If you have those like gold star clients that come to you and they just say, I really wanna just feel fitter, or I wanna be able to do a certain something, 
Those clients are like gold dust because they reach all of their goals like that. Yeah. Because their mental side is not focused on how they're looking. Mm -hmm. I understand why we all, we all have things that we would like to change. Yeah. But the more you focus on that, the harder it is to ever love yourself because you won't notice all the positive things that are happening. Mm -hmm. So clients that wanted the abs, even if I got them to the abs, they would then notice the arms, the legs, the something else. Or they'd notice that they have the abs, but then after they've eaten a pizza, the abs have gone. And suddenly, well, now I've ruined all of my progress. It's just not a place to be. Guilt is a huge thing when it comes to mm -hmm. food. And I've talked to so many people on this podcast, and they've all told me the same thing. When you've suffered with an eating disorder, yeah. it, those thoughts never leave you. You can control them in a different way. But I think there's so many girls, and as I'm speaking to women even more and more now on a deep level, almost every woman I've spoken to has told me that they've suffered at some point yeah. around body dysmorphia, they've restricted their eating, they've become obsessed with how they look. I would go as far to say that pretty much all the population has disordered eating. Because mm -hmm. even to the point of how many of us have decided what time we have to have food. Like, when did we send, I mean, it's breaking all things, but breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks, is that kind of what we all have like got in our head? Mm -hmm. Why? Do I, like, I, now I see it because now I have a three-year-old and she will say, mum, I'm hungry. And it's never at like 12 o'clock for lunchtime or seven okay. o'clock for breakfast. Or She's like, my belly is really hungry and she wants to eat. And I'm like, it, she could be eating all day. Like she just loves food. Suddenly we start to change it. And the only reason why we have those key times is around work. It's like, okay, we have the breakfast before we so go to work true. and we have a quick break in between our work and then we have our dinner when we get home. It's nothing to do with when we're hungry I or never when we should be eating that. for our body. You know, everything is just based around us working. So funny enough, I used to struggle with binge eating for quite a long years, a lot of years. And I realized that for me, my binge eating was because I was overwhelmed. And so I had subconsciously told myself the only time I could stop is if I was on the toilet, sleeping or eating. So most of the time I couldn't sleep because obviously it's daytime and I didn't need to go to the toilet. So I'm so overwhelmed. I'm going to eat something in my car super secretly because I don't know how to deal with everything else that's going on. And when I worked out that I simply needed to like slow down and that it's okay to not do anything and just be, mm. then the binge eating stopped for me. And that was years of being like, why is this happening to me? And I just realized I'm just overwhelmed and I don't know how to do, I have to be doing and eating was the only thing I could do that also meant I wasn't running around and overthinking other stuff. Wow, I've never heard it from that perspective. Mm. How did you start to change your thoughts around that? So I think it was, I realized that the car was a really dodgy place for me because in the car I can drive somewhere, buy something, get in my car, eat it, have hidden the evidence and no one would ever know. Wow. And it was also mindless because you could eat whatever, you know, you're driving, you're doing your thing. Yeah. And then I realized, I think it was, I went for a walk and I bought myself, you know, like one of those big dairy milk bar things, the really mm -hmm. big ones. And I also bought one for my partner because that was justifying it in my head. If I bought myself one, but I bought someone else one, that's totally fine because we've both got one. I ate both before I'd got back home. Okay. And I was like, and I walked through the door and I had this immense, I told Leon I was going to bring him some chocolate. So when I came home with no chocolate, he was like, babe, where's the chocolate? And I was like... Um, I've eaten the whole thing and I've eaten both. And I just like absolutely broke down. Mm. And he was like, that's fine. Like, it's not a big problem, but the hiding, the secrecy is a really big problem. And I realized it was just, I felt so dirty doing this one thing, but I needed time before I could walk through the door. I needed some, I was not giving myself any self-care. Mm. And weirdly that eating that chocolate bar was some time where I was just by myself, kind of like able to be in a present moment I wasn't tasting the food. It wasn't anything to do. It could have been anything. It was just actually, I just needed some time before I 
was then in a relationship, before I was then with friends, before I was then in work, I just wasn't allowing myself any time in my day. Spending time alone is really important for me. And I've, I recognized that when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. And even now I feel that when I go to social places, I know that I'll need like an hour, two hours just for myself. Yeah. And when I don't do that, I feel very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday I was at a pop-up and then I went, said to my friends, I'll meet them for dinner because I haven't seen them in months. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the temple and by the time I got home, it was 10 o'clock. But I had spent no time by myself all day. Mm-hmm. And at night I felt so overwhelmed. Yeah. And I've, I try not to do anything on a Sunday, but when it's work, I just say, okay, I'll do it. But yesterday I was like, right, that's it. Like I, on a Sunday, I cannot do anything past 4 p.m. I just have to spend that time, time alone because you don't have that time to process your own thoughts. Mm. And you don't have that time to think about intentionally what you want to do for the rest of the week as well. Yeah. So especially if I'm coming for a podcast today, I don't, I don't have that morning at home. And I've realized for me, like I like to be in my own bubble and I like to be in my room safe. and I like to be, exactly. Yeah, and I think sometimes we don't recognize that, especially when we're younger. I didn't know I had to spend time alone. No, because also, I mean, again, I see it from being a parent that my daughter's very happy playing by herself. And even I was like, there's other, do you want to like play with? And mm-hmm. she's like, no, I'm playing myself. But we are so conditioned to be like, you shouldn't be on your own. Yeah. You should go and play with someone. And I'm I'm an only child. At saying that, my uh, I do have, my my dad had a daughter 18 years before me okay. with a, another lady. So technically I do, but we never grew up together. She lives okay. in Switzerland. So I technically have another family member, but I didn't get to feel like I had a sibling at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I spent so much time by myself and I loved being with myself. But then when I was around other people, I was like, is there something wrong with me because I'm very comfortable being by myself? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's a part of you that I've noticed, like when you you have to work harder at trying, you're very good at making other people become like a friend because you're so used to having to try, whereas people who have siblings from my side, they always have someone there. Mm-hmm. So like even see it with Jacks. like if we go to the beach, there'll be some siblings playing and making castles together. She will obviously ask me, or ask Leon because who does she get to play with or she'll play with herself. And she feels that fear of like, oh, I've got to go and ask. But I do think it's a really good learning lesson. It kind of teaches you how to kind of interact as well. I was just going to ask you about that. So being an only child, there's so many stereotypes <laughs> and stigmas. You're spoiled, yeah, you're entitled. Yeah, you totally. friends, like everything revolves mm-hmm. around you. Talk to me about being an only child. I mean, technically child. I'm bringing up an only child right now. She is the yeah. only one. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. You are, you are your main, I can see it from both sides. From her side, being the parent, she is getting everything. She gets completely our attention. Mm-hmm. Um, we give, I, I'm, I feel like I get to see every moment of her growing up. Yeah. I am, she is the world, like 100%. I describe it as my heart walking around on the planet doing its thing. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine if you have another one, that definitely changes, it gets divided. Of course. From me being an only child, I think there's a huge responsibility if you have an only child, the parents have to step up. So my parents kind of lived in the arse end of nowhere. And I really struggled growing up making proper friends that would stay. And I realized it was because, unfortunately, I I see this now. My parents are very career driven. I had to get like a special bus home. I didn't get, you know, when everyone finished school, they would go to Mm. the park with their friends. I had to get the special bus, then take me home to the middle of nowhere. And my parents, although fantastic parents, didn't think about how do we nourish her friendships? Yeah. Because they were like, we're nourishing her, but actually if you don't, if you just have one child, they need you to help them to nourish those friendships and get people over and the parties and that kind of stuff. And they didn't do that, which meant I really, really struggled to hold on to those friendships. How has that impacted you now? I think I, 
I, you know when you think or you watch like I'm re-watching Sex and City because my yeah. husband's never seen it or Friends and I'm like is that a real thing do people have that is that a real friendship group that you can discover I definitely found my friendships like probably from like 26 plus wow yeah so did you feel lonely growing up I don't know if I knew that it was loneliness I just felt like I didn't really belong in that space I think I felt like I was one of those girls that could kind of go from each group you know it could be like when it was the thing it was like goths all these different types that we had back then which is ridiculous the labels <laughs> um I could go through every group and be in there but okay. I never felt like I slotted in there I could just kind of drift from all and again you become a really good people pleaser mm-hmm. which is where we are today you, you mentioned that you have jacks which is amazing mm-hmm. but I also know that you've had another baby right yes yeah I had a miscarriage in May so yeah, we had Jack, so she she's three years. And then I found out it was a really odd one. I've been saying, I don't think I wanna have another child because I think the world is quite terrifying. A lot of us say yeah. that. And then I found out I was pregnant and my husband was away teaching a retreat. And he's also very like, I don't think we wanna have another one. Okay. So I suddenly found out I was pregnant. I remember I did the test in Sainsbury's toilets cause I suddenly was like, it was very bizarre. I'd started eating this cereal that I only ever had when I was pregnant with Jack's. And also my wedding ring went black around my finger. And I was like, remembered the only other time it went black was when I was pregnant because my hormones were funny doing that and I was thinking it isn't until something kind of clicks and you then go oh yeah also I haven't had my period okay maybe we're pregnant so I went and did the test and I can't lie I did the test in the toilet and I absolutely cried my eyes out not because I was happy mm-hmm. which feels like the worst thing to say because I know there's a lot of people that are trying I know you know having a baby is not easy but I can say for the people that experience this I totally was like this is the worst thing. We're trying to find out where we want to live. Yeah, I'm like, I'm the main earner. This is all, I'm I'm not in this space. This Leon's not here. He doesn't want to have another child. I remember I actually called my therapist and was like, oh, what do I do? And she was like, you'll figure it out. Just give yourself some time. And I went home and kind of like relaxed and chilled and was thinking about it. And then I kept envisioning like this little boy and I was like, oh no, I can do this. I could just see like a little blonde boy like Jax. Um, And I was playing with her and I had this whole week and I was like, I'm not gonna tell my husband because I don't wanna stress him out. He's teaching this retreat. I don't wanna call him and go, babe, we're pregnant. And he's like, oh. Yeah. Um, And then it got to like three or four days later and I said out loud, and anyone who follows me on YouTube, I shared this video, this story. I said out loud, I just wish my body would tell me what to do because subconsciously I was like, do I keep this baby, do I not? And I I said it out loud and within 40 minutes I was having a miscarriage. Which, well, immediately my my whole body went into like a spasmy type pain as if I was getting period pain. Um, And yeah, I just felt like the worst person in the world. It's okay because I've cried through it before, but I think I just suddenly, I know the power of the mind and I know the power of, I do believe things happen for a reason mm-hmm. and that miscarriage could have happened for a million reasons. The timing was very apt that I think subconsciously I knew I wasn't ready for that baby, would yeah. have loved that baby. Um, but I said out loud, yeah, I just wish my body would tell me what to do. And it made the decision for me, um, which has been really hard because having a miscarriage so many people message me and they say like they've had miscarriages and people have three, four, five, and it's so common, but it's so not really spoken about. And you're also deemed like you're broken. There's a really weird, it's like you suddenly for the first time ever, my body's always been incredible to me. Mm-hmm. It kind of didn't, It well, it did, it did what I asked it, but it felt like, oh, I don't trust my body. Is it gonna do that again? 
Like, you know, when you think, wow, I don't know what my body's doing. Is, is there something wrong with my body? Like it doesn't want to have a child. Have I done something? That workout I did yesterday, did that do something? Mm-hmm. All the fears that you suddenly just don't realize just pop out. And I was just like, I have no trust in my body now and I've always trusted my body. So it was a real turnaround to be like, okay, I've always felt very comfortable and known myself. And now I'm thinking, yeah. And also oh, the mind wow. thing. I'm, I think part of me is now always going to live with the idea that I need to say, did I have a miscarriage because I basically asked my body to make a decision or did it happen naturally? I'm never going to know. But part of me is like, oh, if maybe I hadn't said that, it would have stayed. But it wasn't the right path. And I've, I'm, I'm okay with that now. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a really hard one. And to anyone going through it, it's, there's also so little out there help-wise, I believe. And I just remember Googling, being like, is this a miscarriage? Is this what a miscarriage is? And I know the stats are like one in three. Yeah. I never even went and registered mine because I knew that. So I know it's going to be so much higher because I didn't even think about how many people have miscarriages. That and they don't know. even know you've had it because it just looks like a period. If you didn't, if you were like five, six weeks, you might not even know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a stage of my life, but it taught me that I would love to have another child if that was to ever happen. Okay. But it has been a curb being like, oh, wow, my body, I don't know. I don't think you can blame yourself for that. And mm-hmm. I think everyone I speak to who tells me a story of how they've miscarried, there's always that element of blame. Of course. And I think with you, like you said, did that work out or whatever? That happens to a lot of people. Did that work out? Do that? Did I walk up the stairs too differently? Did I do this? And I've spoken about this so many times. It's it's never the no. mum's fault, ever. But the fact that you're saying, could that have been it? I think that's also another way of blaming yourself to be oh, like, completely. was it my fault? You didn't say to the, you didn't say to your body, get rid of it. No, I, I didn't. But I don't you know said, subconsciously I was thinking it. But either but way. But it's normal that yeah. you had those thoughts because you weren't ready. Yeah. It's like if somebody, if I got pregnant now and I, I would naturally have those thoughts to be like, I'm not ready. That and doesn't that mean I've inflicted thing, it. I think we see loads of videos online of people being like, that. you know, they share that they're pregnant and they're like overjoyed. Correct. I don't think that is actually the norm for a lot of people. I think if you have been struggling to have Mm -hmm. a child or you've always wanted to be a mom and you're in a position where you're like, you're ready, perhaps you are like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. But I think for a lot of people, like I fell pregnant first time with Jax, like literally we were like, shall we have a baby? Yeah, let's try, had sex. Boom, we found out literally like five weeks later. Okay. Oh my god! But that for me, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, well, this is utterly terrifying. He was like kind of happy. We're both like, um, do we want this? Like we were looking at that being like, we just said that we would, but I expected to feel a certain way when I saw it. And instead I was faced with like terror of, can we do this? Did we want this? How is this going to affect me and my business Mm -hmm. and my life? And so I recently had a friend who I will not name and she said the same. She's decided that she thinks she wants to have a child. And then she thought she might have been pregnant and she did a test and she was like, I was not filled with happiness. I was filled with like, oh, mm. has was negative and it made her go, maybe I'm not ready. But I do think unless you're like really trying and you've had those negative results before, I do think for a lot of people it's quite normal to be like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And you're so right because all the videos we see online are Happy. people screaming, like Just jumping, lovely, crying. But- but for a lot of people, that yeah. isn't true. And you know the point you mentioned earlier around um, you didn't trust your body. Mm. I've never heard anyone talk about that before. And I think it's so powerful because in Indian culture, when you have a baby, you have a ceremony. So when you're pregnant, you have a ceremony. Now, the thing about that ceremony is if somebody has miscarried mm-hmm. or if somebody has died um, in your family, so if you're a widow or mm. you've lost a child, you are not allowed to participate in that ceremony because you are seen as damaged. 
and it's awful and I don't understand it and you're seen as bad luck and it's horrid because like imagine, one in three there's so many people imagine how that person feels so you know when you have this ceremony anyone who's kind of a widow or oh lost gosh. a baby or had a miscarriage even if it's common they are not allowed to touch that person during the ceremony and you're not allowed to participate in that ceremony because as a in our in our um culture it's a woman who has to give you something i don't know how, what it's called but it's awful and do it you really think people will hide it do you think people will, like will not say if they have and well like i think it's always when when you participate in the ceremony it's within your close family right yeah, so for so me it would know. be like a woman in my close family unit that would obviously know if i've miscarried yeah. But I think it's horrid because not only are you reminded of that, yeah. but you're kind of told like you're 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 dirty, okay. you're broken. It is a bit like that. It's horrid. I did feel like I was broken, and I it definitely it yeah it it definitely does, and it's ridiculous because it can happen for any reasons, any reason, any reasons at all. But you do feel like oh I must be broken. And it's like, and you see it with people when they share their videos and they've obviously, you know, been trying really hard or even like they've had to go through IVF or the millions mm. of different ways. And it's like, they don't count as a person with how they've had it. And I'm like, whatever, you not broken. Bodies yeah. do different things. And we're putting our bodies through so much stuff. I think it's a miracle that any baby comes out. I was just like, gonna say. Anybody, any baby comes out healthy blows my mind because there's it's so mad. many ways for it to go different. And I just mm -hmm. think, yeah, we, we I hopefully when Jax is older, if she decides to have babies, that I hope it's a different narrative for her then. I think women are able to produce a life and mm -hmm. are able to feed that life. And it's a miracle, it's miraculous. So yeah. when we do these ceremonies and women are told like, oh, you've had a miscarriage or oh, somebody's passed away or oh, you're a widow or whatever, you're not allowed to touch or be part of the ceremony. I'm like, you're making them feel so isolated yeah. and you're making them feel guilty about something that's happened to them that is not their fault. And also the person that's celebrating, that would make me feel so uncomfortable if I knew that someone I loved was feeling right. that way when they were there. But then it's difficult because people are like, it's, you're gonna drink it. And then you're so protective about your baby so it's really horrid and I think it's a bit like the um I hate the whole not telling anyone that you're pregnant let's talk about that I've never understood that so when I found out I was pregnant it was really early on I told I did not put it online because I yeah that's different that's telling a whole lot of people I told the people that I would tell if I would lose it okay because I think it, finding out you're pregnant is scary and it's a crazy time and then you're obviously worried about losing it and you don't know mm -hmm. what you're doing because it's mm -hmm. your first time so to do that in silence and then say you miscarried, you then can't tell anyone. You can't say, oh yeah, I'm upset because I, I just had a miscarriage, but you didn't know I was pregnant at the same time. I think it's so much nicer if you like tell like a select group who would be there for you whatever happens. It opens that connection, makes everyone feel safer. It reduces your stress levels. You have people you can talk to mm -hmm. who can be there for you. It blows my mind that people are meant to go through 12 weeks without telling a single soul, 12 weeks of you feeling completely different and so worried and also so excited and just to have to lie to everybody that you're absolutely fine when you are definitely not absolutely fine. And I think it's that narrative that it's like you're going to jinx it. What yeah. if something happens? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if something does happen, you are probably going to tell people yeah. anyway. You're going to want the support. So mm -hmm. we're actually stopping people from having support during one of the craziest times in their life, saying they can't say anything, but then they also shouldn't say anything if they have a miscarriage because they're broken. The whole thing just doesn't make any sense to me. So I applaud people and tell them that if you are pregnant, don't obviously tell the whole world because there is... Mm -hmm. I understand if you're pregnant and you tell everyone, you would then also have to face telling them that you are no longer pregnant if that happens. Yeah. So you want to choose the people that you would also want to share that news with. You don't want to have to tell your news agent or the postman perhaps, but someone that you care about that's close who's going to support you either way. That's so true. I never thought about it that way. Mm. So let's talk about Jax. <laughs> 
She is such an incredible soul in so many ways. And you were just telling me just before we started about her. Uh -huh. So let's talk a little bit around having a young child and how it is to be a mother who's working. And I will say this again, because I say this in every podcast. I'm not asking you about motherhood because you're working, because I think the responsibility should fall on you. Mm -hmm. But it isn't, it is common knowledge that 90% of the unpaid work does fall on the woman. It's unfair and it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And we need to change that as a society. But it does fall on, fall on women, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I chose to have my daughter. I know that I'm self-employed and I knew like I never had maternity leave. I was working the day after I had her, oh my gosh. Um, hosting business. I love my job. I have learned that you can't have both. It's very difficult to have. I would love to have Jax with me all the time and work and be an absolute boss. Okay. Not possible without community. Be, having a child, and it's one thing that I wish there'd been some more support on learning that before I fell pregnant, or maybe it was my ignorance. If you don't have a community around you, having other ambitions outside having your child is really, really difficult because obviously you've got to care for this child. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly realized, wow, oh, I've got to teach a retreat. Uh, how am I gonna do this? What, what am I gonna do with that? Or I need to go to this meeting or I'm in London today with you. Who's gonna have my child? It's really difficult if you don't have that support. So kind of understanding what your network is going to be like before you have your child is, I think it can save a lot of heartbreak for a lot of people. And my husband is the most incredible partner in the world. We are a tag team, we're the ultimate team. Mm -hmm. um, and he does, we are literally 50-50 split, but, and he will understand me sharing this. He is such an incredible dad, but even he, when my daughter has been unwell, has been like, you're gonna go pick her up. I'm like, why would I go pick her up? You're the mum. Ah, and even he would be like, I've just heard myself say that. Yeah. And I realized that's not correct, but he grew up with that. Exactly. I grew up with that. So you have all these movements, you go, of course, yeah, of course I can go pick her up, but you could equally, we're both doing the same work. We've got the same like obligations and commitments, but it falls on the mum mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And it's fine if you're happy with it, but if it's something that you need to change, it's having that open conversation with your partner and the people around you. I think the narrative that's really difficult, and you've just literally nailed it on the head there, is we've all grown up with that. Yeah, So whenever I say to my boyfriend, can you help me? Mm -hmm. It's, can you help me? Can you help me? Yeah. It's not, shall we make dinner? Yeah. Can you help, can me, you help me make dinner? Yeah. And I really try to change that narrative now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, shall we make dinner? And he's like, okay. And when he comes around now, he's great. He's like always from the beginning being no like, hate to the partners. no the hate partners. to the partners. <laughs> but he's always been great. Cause when he comes around, he's like, should I help you? Whatever. Da, 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 da. Uh -huh. And he's never someone who like, I'll, I'll be doing something and he'll be sitting watching TV. There are times where he'll be working and I'll be cooking and times yeah. where he'll be cooking and I'll be working. We don't live together, by the way. This is like when we, <laughs> when we go to each other's houses. But it's still a narrative that I feel really guilty about mm -hmm. when it's questioned in terms of, okay, I, I guess, sorry, no, I haven't worded that way. How you just said, for example, when your husband says to you, is it your partner or your husband? Yeah, husband. Your husband, yeah. When your partner too, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> so when your husband says to you, are you going to go pick her up? Mm -hmm. I think because you're the mum. Yeah. People don't talk about, you'll probably have guilt in that moment for being like, I am the mum. Yeah. And he was, he's probably just realised in his mind what he said. So you, as women, I feel we're conflicted. And you want you, both. You I want, want both. both. I want to be able to go pick her up. Yeah. But I also have my business. It's, th this is where the guilt comes in. Yeah. Like there is not a minute that I actually want to be apart from her. I do, I need the space. But yeah. as soon as I'm apart from her, I want to be with her. It does, again, it's like your heart walking around. Um, but you you want all the things that you, it's, you grow up and you have you find your job. And then weirdly as women, I feel like we find 
the job that we want probably like 20s yeah. mid 20s and then there's discussion of children and it's like the discussion of children happens right at the point that we might actually finally be getting to where we want to with our careers mm-hmm. so the let go is so hard it's so hard and for me it was like no I want to be able to do both of these things but I can't do both of these things because I've also got to be like a present mum and she shouldn't be seeing me on my phone and I don't want to be ignoring her for work stuff and all the these things nanny, and you're like oh yeah. I am yeah and I also don't want a nanny like I totally get it but I was like I don't want someone else raising my child I've had a child so I want to have a child mm. but I also want to do my business you can't do it all you just you can't you have to pick your battles and be like okay when I'm with her I'm gonna be the most present that I can be yeah when I'm not with her I'm gonna work my ass off and there's such and a judgment. Do. Yeah, there is huge judgment. I do feel like it's changed quite a lot. Okay. But it is funny because I, I went to teach a retreat when Jax was maybe three months old. Now looking back, I wouldn't have done that. But I was in a phase where I was like, I'm working and I can do all these things. But the amount of stigma that I got for doing it from people, even my own parents were like, oh, you shouldn't be going. Like, you've you got to be a mum. And I was like, I have had this retreat book. These people have paid for it. I can't let any of these people down. It's my business. It's what I've got to do. How long were you gone for? I was gone for two weeks and it was horrendous because I was breastfeeding and I was like trying to, I was doing a a trek up um, Machu Picchu with a load of women, um, but all male Sherpas. And I was trying to, I took like her teddy and a blanket and was trying to pump while away from her the whole two weeks. I was like walking around, like walking up the hills with the, with the hacker, like on my boob and LV trying to, and the LV died because I didn't have anywhere to charge it. And I was just, and I, yeah, I just remember everyone else was asleep in their tents and I was like sitting there, like, come on. And then being so heartbroken because obviously it was diminishing. And I was like, I shouldn't have done this, but you, you don't know that you shouldn't do things until after you've done them in a lot of cases. And I was like, I can do all of this. Stupid. I couldn't. And then when I came back and I picked up Jax and she was like, mm, no, thanks. Obviously, she didn't say it. She's like three months. Um, <laughs> but that was basically what she did. Yeah. And then I, I then literally worked my ass off and got it back um, to have that back with her. But the mental toll that that took on me was not worth. I, I sacrificed my a really amazing time with my daughter for my work. But everyone goes through that. You just have to learn afterwards. And I think we are sold this dream that you can have it all. I still believe you can have it all. I'm like, I'm going to work really hard now. So when I have kids, I'll wake up at four and then I'll do this from four till six. And then the kid will wake up at six and then uh-huh. I'll spend that time with them. And then they'll go to nursery. And while they're at nursery, I'll do this, 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 yeah, and babe, this. Yeah, babe, that just describe my day. That's the what I do. I go to the gym at half past five in the morning. I come back just before she wakes up at seven yeah. and she walks through the door. I'm with her. Then she goes to nursery. I work my ass off and then I come back. But then you burn out. I was just going to say, I can't <laughs> control my lifestyle right now. No, I am out. so tired and I am so stressed and I don't have a child. Yeah. And I'm like such a time blocker. I know we were talking about this before. I time block everything. So I'm like, I'll just time block my my child into my life. And it doesn't work. And everyone I'm speaking to is like, you cannot have it all. No. And I've realized you actually cannot have it all. No, you and can't have sad. it all, but you can have the best of it. So now I'm like, I can't I have can. it all. But my boundaries, that's where boundaries become really important. And I think we need to be taught that at school. Or there should be a course you have to take on before you have a child that teaches (laughs) you these things. Because if I had understood boundaries, then I would be like, okay, so fine. Our jobs, they're 24 hours, aren't they? Social media Mm -hmm. doesn't have a deadline. But I would be like, no, I do have a deadline with my social media. Like, I'm going to stop. So now I'm like, I get up and I do my workout because that is for me. And I love that. I wish I could do it in the middle of the day, but we don't have that now. So I'll do it at that time. Then that period before she goes to nursery, that's me and her, and I'm not going to be on my phone. Nothing's going to distract. She goes to nursery, and I'm going to do as much as I can, but I can't do it all. 
I can only do so much and I have to call boundaries and be like, that's amazing, but it's just, I'm not going to do that right now. And then when she comes back, it's me and her till seven. And then it has to be my relationship after that, which has been the hardest one. And I feel for my husband, the easiest one to let go of was my husband in priorities, which was a really shit thing to say. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, baby, job, okay, husband, dog. And I ha- it felt like the husband was, because he was there and in it and could see how hard I'm working, he was the easiest one to kind of let fall to the bottom. And then I was like, but hold on, she's going to grow up. My job, I'm going to move on from at some point. I'm going to retire and he will be gone. And all of this would have been worth nothing if I've lost the thing that created it all. So now the reminder is, and it's the hardest part, is holding onto your relationship when you have a child is really hard, but it has to be a priority. So it's like scheduled in. We schedule everything. Yeah, we schedule everything. It's not particularly <laughs> sexy, but it's like the only way it's you true. can kind of do it for a while. I think in a relationship with your husband, is he in the same kind of industry yes. as you? Yeah. So, so we're like this, <laughs> ships right. in the night all the time. Yeah. And I think that when you're both working really hard, mm-hmm. you almost let the other person off. So in my relationship, we are both like, it's okay if we don't see each other this week mm-hmm. because we're both working really hard and I support you and you support me and I'm proud of you and you're proud of me. Yeah. And that's great. However, it ha- it does lead to a point where you're like, you're forgetting about each other. Mm. And I think it's so important to keep things in place. So like we have to go on a date night now, like once every two right. weeks. So when we see each other, we're not just working together. Or when we see each other, we're not just having dinner and passing out because we're so tired. Or when we see each other now, it's like, okay, let's go for dinner and not talk about work and not talk mm-hmm. about how proud of you we are of each other because we know. It's also so, knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. I think we are now like a generation where we want and want and want, not yeah. in like an awful way, but we're, we're so driven. We're so shown that we can have it all. As we said, we can't. And so actually, sometimes I have to say to myself, what am I doing all this for? Yes. Because right now, I'm 35. I feel like I am living the core moments. Like I'm having the core moments with my daughter. We're traveling the world. Our life is wonderful. Like life is good. I know that at some point life's not going to be so great. And I know life hasn't been so great in the past. If I keep killing myself now, what am I doing that for? Because this is the best time. And if I'm not here for it, yeah. then what was the point? So I sometimes have to say, yes, going after that money is amazing. But if I'm not using it, enjoying it, exactly. being here for it. And yes, working all the time is great because it means we can go on great holidays. But if I'm not spending any time with my daughter any of the normal days, why? Mm-hmm. If I don't have the relationship at the end because I'm spending all my time on work, what was the point? Zooming out. So it's so it's kind of, it's really hard because, oh my gosh, we're always chasing. But sometimes I just have to remind myself and say, what am I doing this for? What do I want? Do I want to be a millionaire? Not really. A millionaire is not enough now anyway, is it? Yeah. Like, you need to be more. So what do I want? I want the life I have right now. Mm. So how do I hold on to that? Because I have it. So do I need to be doing way more to keep this? No. I love that. I think that's such a also spiritual perspective, isn't it? Of being like, enjoy the now, enjoy the moment. And we were just talking before as well. When whenever I'm nervous or scared about something, I always just say like, I get to do this. I get to be here. And they chose me. Like, even if I've asked someone, even if I've asked you to come on the podcast, You've still chosen me yeah. to spend the time with. Right? I've invested in you. So now, <laughs> but I remind myself of that because otherwise I just think like, I shouldn't be here. I am mm. not worthy of it. I don't deserve it all. And I just switch those thoughts and that helps me to be really present in the now and enjoy mm. it. Like I get to do this, which yeah. I, I wanted to do my whole life. Talking about spirituality, <laughs> the next topic I want mm-hmm. to get onto. You're just telling me how spiritual your daughter is. Yeah, I think she's done this before. And I'm not like, I, I'm not overly spiritual. I'm very open to everything. Mm-hmm. But so, 
yeah, my daughter's three and a half. And as soon as she was able to kind of talk, she, I can't remember what we were talking about, but she mentioned other parents. Now, when she first said this, I did not handle it with the grace that I have been handling with it more recently. It was okay. a shock. I was like, other parents, huh? Yeah. She's like, yeah, other parents. So the story that I can really well respond now and it's on my Instagram, I'm not making this up. Um, we were filming it because I was filming us baking together. Mm -hmm. I was going to be doing something on that. And I said, Jax, have you done this before? And she said, yes, with my other parents. And I was like, part of me was really happy because I was like, I have this on film because I'm sure she's going to forget this soon. Okay. Um, and I said, what other parents? She said, my other parents. And I said, how did we, how did we get to have you? And she said that they were in the road, a car came and now they're dead. And she says it with complete, there's no like, she's not thinking it, it's just coming out. The story has maintained the same since she was able to speak. She says that her dad was called uncle and her mum was called Dee Dee. And they had a cat and just this story of they were in the road, a car came and they're dead. Now, I think that she must have been the one. If we're going spiritually, I'm presuming she was the one that was hit by the car and she died, which is why we have her. And she, I, yes. she, I said, like, how do we get to have you? And she said that I rescued her, which is wonderful. You rescued her. Like, I rescued her. She's like, yeah, I rescued her. So I... I, it actually brings me great comfort and I've obviously had this story I think it's usually about six months apart every time she says it which to me makes me think it's not an imaginative thing because the story would change or she would forget yes but it's the same story and six months when you're that little is such a big development time so the only thing that's changed is that her speech is better um I've shivers <laughs> sorry getting rid of this cold um but she, so I ended up posting it on TikTok, a platform that I find very interesting. But I shared it because a couple of months before I'd seen this lady and she'd been going through her phone and her daughter had said, oh, mom, I've been there. And the mom was like, no, no, babe, this is the Twin Towers. You've not been here. And she's like, no, 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 I have. I was working there, but the floor got hot and I jumped out the window. And this is a young, a really young little girl. And you're like, um. How would she have known that? We'd just never know that. And it's so accurate. The floor got hot. We jumped out the window. Um, and the little girl doesn't say it with any terror, just like, oh, no, and I've been there. Like, and she knew. And that, to me, I ran straight to the comments. I was like, whoa, it was, I was, yeah. um, and it was quite a long story. I've really cut it short. And in the comments was just thousands, thousands of people saying that their children had said similar things, like that they used to be in the war or they used to be a farmer. Um, so when this happened with Jax, I knew I had to post it because I think everyone's like, I'm not particularly religious, but that for me brings me great comfort. I like the idea of she's so happy with these parents and she's had other parents and she feels rescued. Uh, so I shared it and the comments under mine are, yes, like my son says he's my dad and my dad died like a week before we found out we were pregnant. Uh, there's there's loads of stories where the dates kind of match up with people, where people have even said like, my son knows his name and where he was born and we've Googled it and it exists. And you're like, Maybe these children are having amazing memories. Maybe they're making it up. But I feel like there's something about that age under four before the world gets to you and you're so like seeing everything, open to everything. Mm -hmm. You're not asked to be sitting and you know, it's just, they see, we don't see because we're busy. And maybe she's seeing that. I would have been like, no, but this is, I, I know that she is telling the truth because she's so calm with it and she's so happy with the story as well. And it never changes Oh my gosh! But it's I like I like it a lot. It, it yeah. When she does it around my husband, he you have like two different types. He finds it really unnerving. I think because it depends on how it makes you feel. Mm. Um, 
And some people are like, oh, no, no, that's just imaginative. Like, she's just making it up. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that from both ways. I'm not going to know. And I also don't ask her any questions either. So I don't oh, say to him, like, I wouldn't go home today and be like, oh, see your other parents. Do you want to tell me about it? It's very much <laughs> like. It would be me. As yeah, a parent. It would, exactly. I'd be like, what were their names? Exactly. What were they wearing? Exactly. Where I'm did aware. you live? I'm aware that, you know, memories, you know, whenever we think back to any memory, every time we, re- we revisit it, we change it. We change it for how it feels. We change everything as soon as we revisit a memory. So. I don't bring it up mm. to her unless she brings it up. And so that's how I kind of know that I think it is legit because wow. nothing happens and she'll randomly just have a memory, I'm guessing, of baking with her parents. And so she says it. Amazing. I, I don't know how I'd react to that. I think I would be really inquisitive, but that's because I'm a very inquisitive person. That's I'm okay. fascinated about people understanding their past lives because I do think some people have that skill. I do think it. And I think that some people can predict certain things or like have a memory of their past life. I'm not sure though, I'm very open to it, but I don't, I'm not sure how much I believe in people telling me about my future. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm just like, I'm 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 unsure basically. I've said it about five times. Okay. Everyone knows I'm unsure. We can be unsure. No, I think and I I've not obviously had children before and I have no idea, but I do think that when I'm looking at Jax or when she's in certain situations, and even her nursery and a couple of other people have been like, she's done this before and I'm like, she's done this before. You know, you just kind of get this vibe that yeah. someone's just not they're just they've just done it before. That's the only way I can describe it. From what I'm hearing from you, I feel like you're a very good parent. Oh. And I don't like to use that term, good parent, bad parent. But as I was thinking about what I would do compared to how you're so understanding and explorative, I'd be like, oh, I don't know what on earth to do. Now, I think people's fear, as you said, when you find out you're pregnant, and we don't see that side of people being nervous or fearful and scared because nobody wants to share that because nobody wants to seem that they're ungrateful. But I think a lot of people are scared about being a parent. And if you're going to be a good parent... What's your advice around that? I think you have to ask yourself, what's a good parent? I am fully prepared that I'm going to F her up in a million ways, 100%. I know that she is going to have, she, I mean, I've gone to therapy. My parents are great. They didn't, they, you know, they made yeah. their mistakes. Everyone I, makes mistakes. Yeah, I'm yeah. very prepared that we will do something, something's wrong. Oh, 100%. The only thing I think you can do by being a good parent is actually just being open to being like, okay, I'm winging this. I don't know what I'm doing. We're learning this together. Mm Because there isn't really a manual. There's books out there, but they're written by people saying they're a great parent. But what's to say that they're a great parent? So for me with Jax, if I'm having a meltdown day, my emotions, I share all of my emotions. I don't hide them. um, Because I realized very quickly that if things always look good, then... How are they ever going to learn? So yeah, if I'm having a meltdown, I have sat on the stairs and I've cried. Or if I've got angry at Jax, which happens, and I have to own my shit. I have to say like, yeah, I'm really angry today. I'm not handling this very well. And she will come and sit. Kids are great. She'll come and sit next to me and she'll go, it's okay, mommy, we can talk this. And I'm like, yeah, we can talk this. So I'm really frustrated today. I'm really annoyed with doing this or X, Y, Z, or I'm really upset today. Or I'm really struggling being your mum today because my brain is just going to and I'll I'll be honest with her and she's like okay and then the thing that's the most important is she sees we turn it around yeah like I would never show her me just screaming and crying and then that's what it is all the time but what she needs to see is that it becomes okay at the end yeah and then it actually becomes okay because we chat and we have Mm -hmm. a cuddle and we talk it out like I am not a perfect parent and I I, I'm open with her like we're we're learning with you Mm -hmm. because I don't know and so I think that is the, the the best parent you can be is one that's open to saying like, we're doing this together. 
I completely agree. I think when you're younger, you think your parents know everything and anything. They're superheroes. And I think what you've just identified as the most important factor to me in any relationship mm. is just accept the personal responsibility. Yeah. Because sometimes you're not going to be the best version of yourself. No. Sometimes you are going to get angry. Sometimes you are going to flip. And it's natural to not be a perfect person. Mm. Just how it's natural to not be a perfect adult yes. or human. Oh, when yeah. You're a parent. You suddenly have a kid. It's, it's so funny because I remember thinking of things, but... Having a kid doesn't suddenly mean you know, know everything. everything. Yeah, it's so weird. I actually feel like I had a kid, and I say it to my friends all the time. I don't think I'm qualified for this. Like yeah. there should maybe be a course that we have to do. Yeah, I think <laughs> to just get signed off on some key things. Yeah, I'm very aware that. I mean, I also wish we all got signed like a therapist when we were born, like oh someone God, who's like stand in ready. I think had I not gone through therapy for years, I don't think I would be handling being a parent in the way that I would be a totally different parent. Um, but I just think that for her. Like, so if I'm, I'm getting really angry or if she's getting really angry, sometimes she'll be like, oh, oh, like when me and Leon will have an argument and we have had arguments in front of her, not like screaming awful ones, but I'll turn around and say, mommy and daddy are arguing. It doesn't mean we don't love each other or love. like having an argument love doesn't love. suddenly mean there's no love. Of course. And so if I'm shouting at you, Jax, or you're shouting at me, it doesn't mean you don't love me. We love each other. We've just got some big feelings going on. Like yeah. the emotions don't change the deep down we love each other. So it's, it's yeah, it's just disgusting. And I've just realized that although she is three, I'm treating her very much like a, I guess more of an adult. I know mm. that they are able to handle more they stuff. Are. And the more we talk to them in, with proper language, the more they understand, like I get the cute, yeah. they get the cute <laughs> terms, but actually it becomes very confusing. Like I have taught Jax all the correct names for her body parts. And she was saying vulva and vagina, very much at the beginning of her life. And it was really funny because wow. I remember someone was like, this is disgusting. I can't believe a child says vagina. And I was like, what do you well, want her to say? On. Yeah, I know that this is, for some reason, it's the only part of any anatomy where we seem to label it a million different words. But I want my daughter to be proud of her body. And someone said, I think when she's 18 and she watches this video back, there's a video back where she says that my vagina hurts. Um, and I said, well, I think when she watches back, she's going to be like, wow, I'm really proud that I understood my body. If she watches that video and feels the opposite, I have not educated her very well. I love that. I, I think love this. owning, not owning and just, yeah, they are, they handle stuff so much better. Even death. We've been talking to her about death recently because I would never had, I've never gone to a funeral. I'm 35 and death has very much been, I don't think intentionally hidden from me. But I've now found that death is so scary yeah. to me. It really terrifies me. And so with her, I we opened and we saw a pigeon the other day that had obviously died on the floor. Mm. And it looked so peaceful. Couldn't see how it died. And she was just like, what, what's wrong with this pigeon? Is it sleeping? And I was like, no, Jax, it has died. And she was like, was mummy and daddy going to come and get it? Which is obviously what you think. She, she also thinks because she's watched Princess and the Frog that people stand on you and then you die. Because that's what happens in Princess and the Frog. Okay. So I said, no, this pigeon's died. She said, but the body's here. And I said, oh, yeah, so when you die, your body will still be here, but your soul and everything else will go somewhere else. And she's like, what's a soul? And you're like, how do we describe these things? But I get it. She was thinking that when you die, the body must go with you. Yes. And I was like, no, 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 the body is very much here, babe. It's everything else. This, everything inside this body is not so important. It's all the inside that is so important. And so at three, she's now like, Oh, okay. I like the inside yeah. me. The inside <laughs> me is really cool. And you're like, well, let's go with this. Oh, so amazing. you're just learning. That's great. I think, you know, you've mentioned so many points about being really explicit, just saying things in terms of Honest. Like, I think it's honest. Yeah. We just stop hiding things. Hiding how we feel, hiding that we don't know what we're doing, hiding about, you know, death or just any of the things that I think we just before were always brushed under the carpet. 
the mm-hmm. more honest you are with your children, the more they're able to like regulate themselves and understand. Sure. And then you can have such a good communication. You're so right. And I, honestly, you're amazing. Oh, I, I love, love you. your you energy. <laughs> I love your energy. And I really love the fact that, you know, we've talked about so many things in this podcast and it still feels like we need to talk for like it's five hours more. So many more things we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much for coming. And I'll hopefully see you soon. Oh, definitely. At one of your retreats. Yes, yeah. come on, anytime. <laughs> Hey everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.